So we are continuing on this series in Matthew chapter 6, and we're still in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you remember, we've said this many times over these last few weeks, the point that Jesus is making here is he said that we're supposed to be reaching and acquiring a righteousness that is greater, that surpasses that of the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, which for the people in that time would have been pretty hard to hear, right? Because the scribes and Pharisees were seen as the most righteous people. How in the world do we do that, Jesus? So he's been laying it out for us. And he gets to a very practical section here, and yet it's one that we definitely need to take care as we're learning it, especially when you focus on the word Jesus starts with. Did anyone catch what the first word of this passage was? Beware. Now, if Jesus leads off a section and says, beware, do you think we should pay attention? (laughs) Right. Especially when he sounds confusing when he says, hey, beware when you practice righteousness. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Jesus, you want us to do good things, right? Jesus is also the one that told us, let your light shine before men. He wants us to do good things, to do righteous things, but he also says, beware when you do righteous things, to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. See, um, there was a great um, quote from John Calvin. Um, I know it's um, one of Alex's favorites, one of many pastors, one of our favorite theologians. But he said this quote, and I want you to listen to it. It says, the whole world is a theater for the display of the divine goodness, wisdom, justice, and power. The world was no doubt made that it might be a theater of the divine glory. That's a cool way of thinking of it, right? That God created the world to be a theater where the story of his glory would be displayed. And we get to be the actors in it. As someone who loves theater myself, it's so much fun to step into a role and get to take a story that someone else wrote and make it come to life. And that's what God is using us for, that we get to step into this role. But here is the problem. The problem is that a lot of times we end up having unrighteous actors on this kingdom stage. There's people who come in and they say, hey, since I'm going to take the stage right now, it's all about me. I'm going to be center stage. I'm going to be the main character. But church, I want to lead off with this. We are not the main character in this story. Jesus is the main character in this story, in his story. Amen? And anytime we try to take the attention off of Jesus and put it onto ourselves, we become these very people that Jesus is addressing in this passage. And it doesn't even make sense. We, especially as Christians, we're the ones that say, we, not all of us said amen, right? We all say, yes, of course, God is the main character in this story. But then sometimes our lives end up pointing people in a different direction. And that must be confusing to people. It's kind of like, um, any Star Wars fans in here? Anybody like Star Wars? I love Star Wars, grew up with it. Okay, the rest of you, watch it, okay? <laughs> Just do, you don't have to like it. Be like my dad. Just try and fall asleep in every movie. It'll be fine. But it's like if you were to like, try to tell someone about R2-D2, or sorry, about the story of Star Wars, or try to watch the movies, but the thing is, you only ever saw the movie from the perspective of R2-D2, the little blue and white beep bloop robot, right? Is the whole story of Star Wars going to make sense? No, you're not even going to understand what the little thing is saying, <laughs> right? Arguably, he is a very important character, but he's not the main character. He's nowhere close. In church, if Jordan tries to make 
this life about Jordan, I'm going to lead a lot of people to be very confused about Christianity. Amen? Jordan is not Christianity. Alex is not Christianity. Our church is not Christianity. We are not the main characters. And when we end up doing things in our religious activities that end up pointing people more to us than to God, then we are becoming those unrighteous actors. We lose sight of the main purpose God put us on this planet to do. It's not to shine the light on us. Remember, I didn't finish that verse, but Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your Father in heaven. We do good things. We practice righteousness to point people to God. So here's the main question for today. Is what distinguishes righteous citizens from religious actors? If we know that there are people that do that, and we want to be the righteous citizens, that's who Jesus is calling us to be, but we don't want to just be these religious actors. We don't want to be these people that Jesus is calling out here. So what's the distinguishing factors? This morning we're going to look at what not to be, because that's what Jesus loves to do here. He loves to show us first what not to be as he's teaching us what we're supposed to be like. Let's look once again at these first um, set of verses here as we dive into it. Go back with me to verse 1. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus, when he repeats stuff, we should listen. Make sure you focus on the words reward in these verses. Okay, He's going to mention that a lot. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Notice another key word that he keeps repeating here is the word hypocrite, right? Oh, we're all familiar with that word, right? Does anybody actually know, I'm a teacher, so I like call and response here. Does anybody actually know where the word hypocrite came from? Anybody know? What was it used for in ancient times? Just yell at me. It's fine. Anybody? It meant an actor. And a hypocrite was an actor. Is when someone would go on stage to play a part, and they would take up usually a very large, it would be very comical to us today, but a big mask and cover their face to be somebody else other than themselves. They were pretending, to, they were playing the role of somebody without actually being that person. That's actually where the word hypocrite comes from. It was an actor, Right? And for Christians, sometimes that word hypocrite is a little scary. If you were to actually poll most people and ask why they don't come to church or why they don't like Christianity, you want to know what one of the major reasons is. Is they say the church is full of hypocrites. Now, can we argue with them? (laughs) No. My old pastor, he always made this joke. He never actually said this to somebody, but the pastor at a church back in um, North Carolina, he always would tell people, whenever I hear someone say the church is full of hypocrites, I would always say, you're right, and there's always room for one more. (laughs) He never actually said that to anybody, but it's kind of true. We all struggle with it, and we need to accept that fact, right? We do need to start and accept that fact that we all do struggle with hypocrisy because if we actually accept that, then we can start learning how to not do that. Because we should be the most genuine people on the planet. Church, we know the ultimate truth of the universe. 
the ultimate truth of existence, why are we faking it around people? I've tried to make that one of my life goals. If you know me, you know that I'm just a silly person most of the time, and I try to be serious when I'm up here, but it comes through sometimes, like when I said bleep bloop for the robot. I can't help it. I want to just be Jordan no matter where I am, so that if there's someone who's not saved that knows me, and they see me out on the street, I better be the same Jordan when I'm out there and they see me at the restaurant as when I'm standing behind this pulpit, right? Because if they see something different, they're going to ask a weird question, and it's going to be hard to answer that question. We need to be genuine. Our outside, uh, or who we are needs to match on the outside who we are on the inside. It can't flip-flop. We have to be the same. Because that's what the Pharisees were doing. They loved to stand up, and they would get up in the morning, and they didn't necessarily put a mask on, but they would use those nice holy robes, and they'd put them on, and they would go out and they'd do these things, playing the righteous actor when they were actu- or the righteous person when they were just being a hypocritical actor. And the first way that he talks about this is with giving money. It's giving to the needy, right? Man, I promise you, I just felt attention hit the room. <laughs> right? We don't like to necessarily talk about this because we sometimes we get the questions of like, well, who's really needy? Who do I actually give the money to? That, first off, that's not who we're talking about today or what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about us. We're not talking about them. We're not talking about who we're giving to. We're talking about you and me because that's who Jesus is addressing. He said, look, when you give to the needy, do not be like these hypocrites. Don't go and sound a trumpet before you. There was potentially multiple reasons behind why Jesus said that. Um, specifically, uh, when they would walk through the streets, okay, uh, of especially the marketplace in Jerusalem, there would be tons of beggars. I mean, everywhere you'd go, every corner, there would be a beggar. And most of them, of course, they're asking for money. And a lot of people would maybe go through and drop a little bit of money. The Pharisees, though, were known for making a really big deal of it. And just making sure everybody knew, oh, is this a beggar on the corner? Well, I'm glad I have some pocket change. Let me give it to you. God bless you, you little sinner. No, that sounds harsh, but that's actually what they'd say. And I'm not kidding. (laughs) That's how they'd address them. But Alex, again, I love using Alex's notes here. He pointed out something I'd never thought of before. That Jesus may, we don't know, but he may be using a bit of a word picture here when he says, don't sound the trumpet. See, in the temple, where they would go, if you were going to bring your money to do a money offering in the temple, what you would put it in was actually shaped, the top of it, like the horn of a trumpet. Okay, does anybody remember those things that used to be at malls? They were always donation things where you'd put the quarter in and it would spin around and you'd be mesmerized. And so it's genius. You'd beg your mom, I need all the quarters. So you just make them spin around. It was similar to that. And so what it would do, since it was shaped like a horn, it was wide on top and then it got narrow as it went down. It was made so that it would be very loud as coins were dropped into it. And so what would often happen, right? You would have those people, do you remember the widow who came to offer her one coin, Right? Is she going to make a lot of noise as she drops her one coin into the, the horn? No. But then you got the Pharisees that would come in, and it'd be like the people at the coin star machines in Walmart, right? And you just hear just tons and tons of noise clattering coming out of that horn. And I can just imagine the Pharisees standing there like, it's still going. <laughs> Everybody look. Now, can God still use that money for his purposes? Yes. 
But is that person, is that Pharisee giving that money out of the actual kindness of their heart? No. They're doing it for them. They're doing it for themselves. And this is the first bullet point we want you to understand here about religious actors. Religious actors give in order to get. They give in order to get. Look, charity is good, but so often we do it completely from the wrong motives. There's so many different ways that we can do this. Sometimes we give in order to get something from society. We want uh, praise and admiration from others, right? We want people to know what we did. Alex and I, were, we were laughing ironically because I think even I've done this before, right? You probably see this with the rise, you know, well, not rise, we're almost in the fall of Facebook, but whatever. In Facebook and social media, people love to go and they'll make posts about something good and generous they did that day. Now, it's like, hold on a second. You did something good. You did something generous. Stop there. That's a good thing. You shouldn't want to go back on Facebook and then say, hey, everybody, look what I did. And listen, I'm not even necessarily saying that everyone, every time someone does that, it's from a bad place in your heart. Sometimes we just don't even think about it. One thing that Alex was talking about, that he, like, we both thought about this or hadn't thought about it before, you ever gone to the grocery store and then they say, hey, do you want to uh, make a donation to this charity, which is a good thing. And then when you do, they say, hey, do you want to put your name on this little balloon thing? And then you can put it on the wall with all the other people that made donations. Most of us, when they ask that, what do we do? We do it. Now, I'm not, neither one of us are trying to make you feel bad for doing it. We want us to think real quick, right? Remember, I preached last time that God calls us to an even higher standard. I'm not trying to shame you or make you feel bad for doing it. We've all done it too. Maybe we don't even do that. Because then if someone walks up to that wall and they see, hey, oh, wow, Jordan gave to that charity. Boy, that was sure nice of him. I failed my job <laughs> as a Christian. I don't want someone to look at the fact that I gave an, a donation and say, Jordan did such a nice thing. That shouldn't be on my mind. I don't want them to know that. The Bible even says that we're supposed to give what Jesus says here in a way so that our left hand doesn't even know what our right hand is doing. Well, Jesus, that sounds absurd. <laughs> How do we do that? How do we give with one hand so the other hand doesn't know what we're doing? What Jesus is saying is that our giving should be so second nature to us that we don't even realize it. How many of you have ever been driving somewhere and you've just been either listening to music or lost in your own thoughts and all of a sudden you arrive somewhere and you don't have no memory of what you did and you're like, I may have hit somebody. Who knows? <laughs> but I'm here. It's almost in that sense. And it drew me to this passage here when Jesus talks about um, what it means to give without one hand knowing what you're doing. Do you remember? It's actually farther in Matthew. Jesus is giving an example for us of what that's going to look like. He's giving a picture of when certain people, certain saints, arrive in heaven. And they're laying their deeds before God, and Jesus encourages them. And listen to what they say and what Jesus says to them. Jesus starts off, this is in Matthew chapter 25. This won't be on the screens for you, but um, it's in Matthew chapter 25, verses 36 through 40. Jesus said, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. 
See, these kind of righteous people, they didn't give to people for any kind of personal gain. They didn't even really think about it. They just knew they're supposed to give, and it was such a part of who they were as followers of Jesus that they gave out of the kindness of their hearts. And then they show up to heaven, and they're like, man, Jesus, when did we even do all these things? They didn't even know what their right hand was doing. That's what we're supposed to be like. Not to get admiration from society, right? It's not even to get anything from God. That sounds weird, right? Because Jesus did say, by the way, that yes, there will be a reward. But that reward, by the way, that we're going for is to be in the presence of God. If I'm just giving so that hopefully one day God might bless me financially. Look, that's the health and wealth gospel, and that is blasphemy. Amen? We will always preach that from this pulpit. I do not serve God so that he will bless me with money. Trust me. I went into this profession knowing that that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but that's not what it's about. And if I'm giving for that purpose, I'm doing it completely wrong. So church, make sure that we should be giving. Because notice, by the way, he's going to say this word a lot in this passage too, when. <laughs> when you give, don't be like the hypocrites. We should be generous. Church, we should be the most generous people on the planet. We should be the ones willing to give to those in need more than anybody else, but for one purpose only, to point people to Jesus. Look at our second set of verses, verses 5 through 7. He says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Once again, the key phrase here is that they may be seen by others. Once again, I want to call your attention to the Pharisees as they would go through, especially in the marketplace. In Jewish culture, there were a few times a day that they were required to stop and pray. They would be going about their business, a trumpet would sound from the temple, and everybody would stop what they were doing, and they would pray. And we, we get an incredible dichotomy, a picture from Jesus later on when he gives, remember the um, tax collector and the Pharisee, right? When this happened, the horn sounds and it's time to pray, and what does that sinful man do? He gives a very short, sweet, and sincere prayer. It says he falls to his knees, he beats his chest, and says, Lord, have mercy on me a sinner. That's his prayer. But the Pharisee, it says that he stands up, spreads his arms to the heavens, and starts off with, Lord, thank you that I am not one of these like this sinner here. And he starts shouting it. And what the Pharisees would do is they would strategically plant themselves in the most busy parts of the street corners, just just coincidence, right? It just happened to be where all the people are when the trumpets would sound, and then they would stand there and they would shout these prayers so that everybody would stop and look at them and say, man, look how holy he is. And I don't even know what those words mean. (laughs) And he's praying that to God, man, I wish I was as holy as that guy. I don't even know how to say those things. But Jesus looks at those prayers and says, First off, if you notice from our scripture passage that Michael read for us earlier, Jesus says, when you offer up prayer and religion like that, I shut my eyes to you. 
Jesus says, I will turn my face away from those kinds of prayers. I hope that when we pray, the focus is not on ourselves, but on God. See, the second bullet point we want you to know is this. Religious actors perform prayer rather than offer prayer. They perform prayer rather than offer prayer. When Jesus is talking here, listen to the way he describes it, the way that they're not supposed to do it. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. They go and they repeat phrases and they talk like heathen people do in their prayers, thinking that God's going to hear them if they say all of these things. Listen, when we pray, it is for only one person. When we pray, it's for an audience of one and that person is God. It doesn't even matter if we're alone or if we are in public. Jesus encouraged us as much as we can Pray in private, because that prayer, that conversation with God is meant to be personal and intimate. If we're able to, we go into a room. What they're talking about here is most Jewish houses had two rooms. There was their big major room and one closet. He's like, look, if you need to get away, go into that closet, shut the door, and have your prayer there so you can get used to having only one person listening to you. But he's not saying to never pray in public. Jesus himself prayed in public. But he's saying when we do so, don't pray so that other people hear you. Just talk to the Lord. As a youth pastor and as a Bible teacher for middle and high school students for a lot of years, I've seen so many students struggle with this. And it's not just students, it's adults too. Because this this problem can be taken from two sides of the equation. Sometimes we get way too extra and make it an actual big performance. Sometimes we become the Pharisees. And we start, it's, it, there's people that sometimes they pray and suddenly you're like, they, I've never heard them sound like that before in their life. And suddenly they start shouting these prayers and they sound completely different. And they're, all they're doing is they want people to hear and say, or hear them like the Pharisees sound holy instead of actually having a conversation with God. But sometimes it's the opposite. So many times I've started a class or a youth group session and say, all right, who wants to pray for us? Even the crickets are quiet. (laughs) No, I don't want to pray. Okay, well, why not? I don't know what to say. That's all right. You can just try. I don't know know if I want to do it. Why? It always comes down to, well, I don't know what to do, and I don't want other people to think wrong of me. I get the sentiment. We all get that sentiment, don't we? But you see how that's the reverse side of the coin? Remember, please, don't take this as me or Alex shaming you. We, this is something, we, all of this was for us too. This is something to encourage us. If you're worried about what other people are thinking about you, who's your attention on? Yourself. Listen, if you're around people that are going to judge you because you say a word wrong in your prayer, pray around other people. We should encourage each other. We should want each other to say what they're supposed to say. Did that tax collector say a whole bunch of big fancy words in his prayer to God? Nope. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He's a tax collector. He worked for Rome. He probably didn't even know most of the holy things he's supposed to say, so he just said what he wanted to. Look, the Bible even says that the Holy Spirit, who we already sang about, who we've talked about, who we've prayed to, it even says that when you don't know what to pray, just try. It says the Holy Spirit will interpret the utterances that our souls make that we don't even know what to say. If you don't even know what to say, just try. And, the, and if, if you feel like you're blabbering before the Lord, it's okay. He created you. He created your words. He knows what your heart is saying. Just pray to God. 
It should be focused only on Him. See, true prayer doesn't try to show others what's in our head. It offers to God what's in your heart. I thought this quote was awesome from Alex. It says, A raw, honest prayer is more pleasing to God than a performed prayer that masks what's truly in your heart. A lot of prayer, I've heard so many prayers offered up, but church, I hope that every prayer that we offer here and in our own personal lives is for no one else than the one person we're offering it to. Because listen, you can't answer my prayers. (laughs) I can't answer your prayers. And I don't care what you sound like. And frankly, I do my best to not, I don't care what you think I sound like because I'm not praying to you and you're not praying to me. We're praying to our Father. And he's the only one that matters. Right? Let's go to the last set of verses here as we jump ahead. He says in verse 16, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You're seeing the pattern of what Jesus is saying here, right? Once again, notice what he said, when you fast. He did say that. He didn't say, hey, and if you fast, he said when you fast. There was actually only ever one command of God for the people of Israel to fast. It happened only once a year, and that was the Day of Atonement. And here's the thing. Now, we don't practice the Day of Atonement because Jesus came and died on the cross as our atonement. So we don't even have a biblical like, command and law to fast. And yet Jesus still tells us when you fast. Our Savior expects us to. What is fasting? And by the way, it's not just abstaining from food, even though that's normally the most common one that you do. We don't just abstain from food or something else to be hungry. We do it to grow closer to God. The purpose of it is if I'm struggling with something in my life or if I know someone that I want to focus on deep prayer for, then I'm going to fast for them. And maybe I take one or two days where I fast from certain meals, and the purpose of it is when I feel that hunger hit. Instead of going and satisfying that hunger by going and getting some snacks, I stop and pray. That hunger reminds me I need to pray for this person. Or, oh man, I need to focus on that temptation that I've been giving into. And we build that relationship with God. That needs to be a practice that we do. But once again, If we turn that into a practice of letting people know when we're fasting, then we've messed up. If there's anyone here or anybody who's listening that is a part of the Catholic Church or who takes part in this kind of thing I'm about to say next, again, this is not to shame you, this is just food for thought. But when people say all the time and they post all over the place, I'm fasting for Lent, stop telling me. We don't need to know. If you're going all over social media and you're telling everybody, look, I'm doing a holy thing. You're taking the attention off of who it's supposed to be for. You shouldn't go around telling people that I'm doing this holy practice or you're missing, you're running the risk of missing your own blessing as you are being prideful in the moment. See, the Pharisees would do this when they would fast. It's a, it's a pretty funny thing, ironically, when you think about it. They would go and they would take ash and soot, and they would smush it in their face and in their hair, and they would purposefully make themselves look dirty and destitute and go out into the streets, and these men that would normally be standing all high and mighty and holier than now, they would walk through the streets and be like, greeting sinners, I'm fasting today. I just wanted to make sure you... 
is that fish? I can't have that. I'm fasting today. I wanted to make sure you know that. Oh, got to put more dirt on my face. And they would act like this. And it sounds funny, but it's shameful when we think about it because that's what they were doing. And Jesus says, no, forget all that. Clean yourself up before you walk out of your house. If you're fasting, do your best to not let anybody know. Just go about your day and let it be between you and God. That's the purpose of it. But we love a good display, don't we? I thought this was fun. Uh, Alex brought this up in his notes here. We love, we struggle with this, with all of these things. We love to display when we do good things. Um, Millennials gave us a good fun term for this. It's called virtue signaling, (laughs) right? Anyone ever heard of virtue signaling before? Virtue signaling is basically this. Y'all know when um, there's always the um, gay pride or LGBTQ month, okay? And what does every company do with their logo when it's that month? Anybody know? They change the colors, and they make it all the rainbow colors, right? And it's just for that month. Now, here's the thing. Almost none of them actually do anything for that community (laughs) that whole month. They just change their logo colors, although this is also ironic. They change it everywhere but China. It's actually kind of funny. Go look up companies and look up their logos during that month and look up in all the other places and look up their logo in China. (laughs) Can't change it there. Sorry, that's just a, look it up. It's pretty ironic. But they do those things. Are they, do they actually care about those people at the end of the day? No. All they care about is lining their pockets. Hey, if we make that community see our logo, hey, they care about us. Let's give them money. No, they don't. In church, people see through us too. Just like those company logos, people see through us. I've also talked to so many teenagers that don't want to go to church because they've seen how the Christian teenagers and other adults act at those churches. I've I've tried to drill this into teenagers through my decade of youth ministry, that if your friends, first off, I hope they know you're a Christian, right? But if they know you're a Christian, but they would never be able to tell it by the way you acted outside of church, does it matter at the end of the day? That's what they're going to see. So listen, when we're outside of these walls, inside these walls too, because we need to do this when we're here together, but especially when we leave these walls, I hope we do try to do righteous things, but what's the motive behind it? Because I don't want us to be like these religious actors. See, the last bullet point is this. Religious actors direct attention away from God and toward themselves. This is what it all comes down to. And this is what I want and what Alex wants our church to be different. Trust me, I've seen other churches that do this wrong. He, he told a story in these notes. Again, I, I, I love tag-teaming this with him, even though he's not here physically. It's, it's like he's right here on my screen. But he told a story in his notes that I'd never heard before, where there was a church in North, in North Carolina, uh, a place I'd actually never heard of before, but a pretty big, well-known church that went viral for a while because they had this service where tons of people got baptized, and they were coming down, and it just kept happening, and there was like this big revival that was happening, and it was awesome, and people were going nuts because they were like, look, this God is doing an incredible thing here as people keep responding during the invitation time, until it came out that the pastor, before the services, was getting people and planting people in the service that when it came for invitation time, they weren't actually sincere, they would just get up and come down and act like they were praying to try to get other people to be manipulated into saying, oh, well, he's going down. I'm going to get up and go down too. 
So half the people that were coming down and accepting Christ or following Christ or making these wonderful decisions were not even real. It was all just a show. And boy, that sure made that church look good, didn't it? That church sure got in the headlines of the newspapers, didn't it? Look, we've said this before from this pulpit. At the end of history, I don't care if people don't know my name. I don't care if they don't know the name of George's Creek Baptist Church. I care that they know the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's our goal. I want George's Creek to be known in the community for the righteous things that we do. I want every one of you in these pews to be known for the righteous things that you do, but not because of you, not because of me, but so that we shine our lights before others so that they know that there is a God in heaven, that he is alive, and that he loves them. That's the goal. We are doing that, church. I don't want this to be just a negative thing. I want you to hear that from my heart. We're doing that. I just want this to be a warning. Jesus led off with the word beware. So beware. Do the righteous things, but let's do them for the right reasons. Let's do them for the only audience that matters, our Heavenly Father, for His glory alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the sermon, God. We thank you for the work that Alex put into it. I thank you for giving me time to to dig in and study and prepare. But God, we thank you that you offered this, this message to all of us. God, it's been a convicting passage in my own heart and in my own life. God, as someone who's made this my vocation, God, I pray that you would always guard my heart to never make this about me. And God, I pray that you would be with all of our hearts, all of us in here this morning, that it wouldn't be said of George's Creek that we're just a room full of hypocrites, but instead they would see a room full of people doing our best to shine the light of Jesus to the world. God, I pray that there's any of us in here this morning who have felt that conviction, who have felt the Holy Spirit prick our hearts, telling us and maybe showing us for the first time that Whether we've realized it or not, we've been putting attention on ourselves more than you. God, I pray that we wouldn't push that down, that we wouldn't fight back, but we would melt our hearts to that. God, that we would give in to that, that we would come to you with contrite hearts, that we would offer up a prayer of forgiveness. God, that you would strengthen us to serve you for only your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.